यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन प्रॉट यू बाय एच टी स्मार्ट कास्ट हेलो एवरी वन आई एम शिप्रा फ्रॉम मिंट पर्सनल फाइनेंस टीम इन टूडेज एपिसोड ऑफ वाई नॉट मिंट मनी आई एम इंटरव्यूइंग कल्पेन पारिक ऑफ डी एस पी इन्वेस्टमेंट मैनेजर्स टू ईयर्स बैक वेन कोविड नाइनटीन पैंडमिक हिटर्स वी एट मिंट स्पोक टू इंडस्ट्री लीडर्स इन द फाइनेंशियल सर्विसेज स्पेस टू अंडरस्टैंड द इम्पैक्ट ऑफ द पैंडमिक ऑन देर पर्सनल इन्वेस्टमेंट पोर्टफोलियोज Now after 2 years as the pandemic seems to be behind us or rather we have learned to live with it we are going back to these industry leaders to see how things have panned out for them and whether there are any lessons for investors Hi welcome to why not mint money a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth so let's get started on your money journey to so, kalpin why don't you tell me about your current asset mix right now between equity debt gold real estate and alternate asset class okay so uh, i'm just opening my mobile app uh, which has the usual pie chart right to right. tell my latest asset mix as of uh, yesterday today market is down so it would have deteriorated a bit but um, uh, my asset mix so so you know first thing is uh, i invest only in mutual funds i don't buy any asset class uh, directly uh, as uh, a principle as a matter of convenience as a matter of uh, tax efficiency and, and also as a rule that we have at dsp for all our employees wherein we invest uh, our savings only in dsp mutual fund we do not buy the asset class directly unless right. you know as a mutual fund we don't have that uh, product category available with us so with that disclaimer all every uh, percentage uh, allocation that i tell you will be for a fund not for just asset class so okay. i have around uh, 40% in um, uh, indian uh, mutual funds in mutual funds which invest in indian stocks i have around uh, 23% in uh, debt funds I have twenty-two percent in uh, hybrid funds, and I have around fifteen percent in international funds. Uh, so that is my uh, mix of hundred uh, rupees in fixed income. Of this fifteen percent, which is in international funds, around five percent of that is uh, uh, in gold mining fund. So it effectively gives me exposure to gold as well. Apart from it giving me international exposure, and uh, I have another three-four uh, percent in gold bonds. so broadly this is my mix of asset allocation currently right and how has your portfolio performed over the past 2 years since you know since we were hit by the pandemic so i think it's done uh, uh, you know reasonably well so if i compare it to uh, nifty uh, obviously it would have uh, underperformed nifty because my asset allocation is broadly uh, you know 65% uh, in um, equity related uh, instruments and the balance 35 is in uh, bonds so while i said 24 is in debt fund but some part of my hybrid fund also is in debt or fixed income or arbitrage so right. roughly i have a 65 35 mix and um, the 65% which is in uh, equity would have done reasonably well because i was just seeing that you know uh, three of the largest weights in that equity have been in um, our small cap fund Uh, our natural resources fund which basically is a beneficiary of uh, rising commodity prices right. uh, and um, our value fund so natural resources value and uh, small cap broadly these three have done very well a uh, post uh, covid lows so you know it, in the last two years the, these three buckets have done uh, reasonably well right and um, 
the fixed income component would have earned around 5% sort of return because interest rates have been more or less flattish to rising upwards and most of my fixed income is in uh, shorter tenor uh, bond funds. So, so it's done, done around 4.5% sort of returns in the last one years. All right. And about your equity allocation, are you shifting between market segments? And if that's the case, then can you, you know, give us details yeah. of the reallocation? So, you know, I, uh, one, one thumb rule that I generally follow, and uh, let me also give a disclaimer that, you know, I am as uh, much a common man like uh, most others who will be listening to this podcast. And my asset allocation does not necessarily mean it is the best asset allocation. So uh, with, with that uh, disclaimer, um, you know, I've made my, my approach of investing is generally to invest in something which is inherently good, but going through temporary bad phase. Uh, because uh, generally in investing, uh, markets are cyclical. Uh, from uh, good times, uh, you get into bad times and from bad times, you get into good times. So I like to invest when a certain segment or a category of funds are in a down cycle. So in the last two years, what was in a down cycle was um, commodity funds, uh, gold, uh, you know, uh, oil, metals, etc. They were in a down cycle. So post-COVID, you know, you remember there was a day when oil prices had gone negative. That's right. um, um, metal prices had also crashed because, you know, world over, um, there was a massive uh, growth shock because of lockdowns. So that is when um, uh, through uh, two of our uh, commodity driven funds, I had built up my exposure there and uh, they did reasonably well. And more so in the last one month, they have gone up a lot. So while in the last two, three months, Nifty was uh, down by eight to 10 percent, these commodity driven funds were up 10 to 12 percent because steel prices are at a all time high. Steel profits are at an all time high. Uh, oil prices have risen. So last week, I made one shift, half of the natural resources fund exposure. I uh, exited and moved it into our value fund. And why value fund? Because, uh, you know, it still owns uh, relatively cheap companies. It also invests 30% globally outside in, um, you know, funds like Berkshire Hathaway and stuff like that. So so I, I moved from a very aggressive commodity-driven exposure. It was around, let's say, 10% of my overall portfolio. I have brought it down from 10 to around 4. So that 6% I have moved to value. But it still remains uh, intact. My equity exposure still remains intact. But I've just shifted from what has done very well uh, right. into something which is uh, relatively stable. Can you tell us one strategy that has worked for your you know, portfolio in the last two years and one which did not work for your portfolio in the past two years? So I think uh, uh, broadly two strategies which did very well uh, was uh, the natural resources fund, which is like I mentioned, uh, in, you know, it invests in uh, Indian commodity companies and uh, global commodity companies. And the second was value fund because value, uh, you know, a lot of good companies which were relatively cheaper, uh, they were underperforming for almost all of last decade. But in the last 18 months, uh, market has recognized uh, uh, the benefit of value investing and, and that space has done well. What has not done well is um, uh, is you know the exposure that I had for uh, gold mining. So I most of my gold exposure is through our World Gold Mining Fund, where you know this fund invests in companies which mine gold, and uh, this is a very volatile fund. So normally I invest only uh, you know when it falls a lot. So for every one rupee change in gold prices, the NAV of this fund uh, moves by 1.5 times. So uh, if gold prices rise, the NAVs will rise one and a half times more and vice versa, it will fall one and a half times more. So, you know, barring the last two, three months where uh, the gold prices have recovered mm. broadly for the whole year, uh, this fund was actually negative. So it, it fell by around 33% from its peak. So that was one exposure, which, uh, you know, relatively 
uh, underperformed um, uh, the rest of the portfolio. It actually gave negative returns over the last uh, a year or 18 months or so. So you said that, uh, you know, in DSP, you have a rule that all the employees should park their savings in mutual funds. So what percentage of your allocation is into your own schemes? And are you changing this? So I can't change this as per okay. the rule, right? And I can't, I don't need to change it as per my belief that uh, if, if I tell you or all my investors that please invest your capital in DSP funds and I'm investing elsewhere, now, you know, unless I don't have that strategy in my fund uh, range. So since I have been in DSP since uh, 2017, I've completed five years now, 100% of my all my incremental savings are invested uh, in DSP. I do have uh, some uh, investments of my past career when I was working in Prudential ICICI or IDFC. So those uh, investments remain there. I have not taken them out, out of my emotional connect with uh, those products. Right. Uh, but all my incremental savings, 100% is with DSP. Uh, and overall, out of my 100 rupees of savings, uh, roughly around uh, 75 to 80% would today be in DSP funds. I think 20 to 25%, which are my old assets, would be in my older fund houses. Right. And this is a personal thing. I mean, it's not mandatory in DSP. It is mandatory that new all my new savings have to be in DSP. Okay. And it, it, it applies is, to all the employees. To all the employees, uh, right from uh, me to my assistant, uh, all 430 employees, this rule is applicable. And this is not uh, regulatory, this is more uh, a conscious decision we collectively as a team took around three years back uh, when we became DSP, we were earlier DSP BlackRock. So we said that, you know, it's always good to have a uh, conviction in our own funds and, and there will be times when our funds don't do well. Uh, and uh, those are the times we will ourselves uh, feel the pinch of funds not doing well. Uh, but but we all know that you know markets have cycles, performance have cycles. That's right. uh, it's always good to put all your money, uh, uh, which you are you know telling your investors to invest in. So your uh, your portfolio has a reasonable uh, amount of exposure in international funds and gold. Uh, can you tell us why is that? Why, why do you choose to include international funds funds and gold in your portfolio? So if you look at it, it's roughly around twenty uh, percent. You know, fifteen and yeah, it's roughly around twenty percent of my overall hundred. So. I don't know whether one can call it reasonable or not, uh, because when you look at the total world uh, market cap, uh, you know India's uh, share in that is only three or four percent. Uh, uh, but you know, I've been I started investing globally since 2013, 14, uh, in global funds since 2013 and 14. So it's been almost now seven or eight years, nine years since uh, when I've been investing globally. And the simple thesis is that. Uh, you know, you, what, what is the thumb rule of good investing? The thumb rule of good investing is invest in good companies uh, which are available at good prices and not, you know, very expensive. And good companies um, do not come from just one country. Uh, good companies come from, you know, various parts of the world. And there are times when one pocket becomes more expensive than another pocket. Uh, broadly, in the last four or five years, barring the COVID lows, uh, uh, you know, our company's profitability, for the same profitability, our companies were uh, priced uh, at a slightly higher premium than their past history. So that was a good opportunity to, you know, diversify outside because global companies or funds uh, uh, which invested in these global funds outside, uh, those underlying stocks uh, were uh, relatively cheap. So like, you know, I, I told you about my value fund, which is uh, the third largest investment in my entire portfolio. Um, uh, the largest weight there is Berkshire Hathaway, uh, which yes. is, uh, you know, in a way you're getting Warren Buffett uh, to manage your money uh, by only paying 0.7 uh, or 0.8% management fees. Uh, 
so with that was the thesis that you know if you can get the best uh, uh, fund managers of the world which includes fund managers of india as well as few fund managers globally to manage money for you in a with a very prudent uh, long term investing approach such uh, models are available globally as well as in india so that was my first reason that why i need to diversify uh, part of my portfolio globally uh, the second reason was when you blend uh, india and uh, international and the right part of international because you know when you go outside india it's a huge ocean but you you may end up buying the wrong market also right so you don't want to go and uh, pick up uh, more volatile markets or where you know the rule of democracy is not there or uh, uh, you know uh, the market structure is not uh, transparent or uh, uh, durable uh, you eliminate all of that so typically you know you will have us market as a dominant market and the second thing that you see mathematically when you blend india and us uh, you know stock markets together in a 50 50 ratio over a 20 25 year period more or less both markets give similar average returns but the path sometimes are different so there are phases when for 2 3 years india does better and there are phases when um, uh, global stocks or us stocks do better so when you blend the two together you get similar return outcomes over a full cycle but the volatility comes down by 20 to 25% on your portfolio so just to give an example uh, you know the year from the first decade 2000 to 2010 was a decade when emerging market uh, and countries like india delivered uh, 8 to 10% extra return over uh, snp of us in the next decade snp of us delivered 5 to 6% extra return than nifty so uh, and it's very difficult to time when will which one do better or worse so it's always good to blend these two, uh, two together reduce the volatility of uh, my collective portfolio nav and yet not compromise on my long term return so that was the thesis with which i have been investing um, uh, globally as well and again my thumb rule is when uh, uh, when let's say global markets do very well all my incremental investments i'll try to overweight india there because i'm buying what has recently underperformed when indian markets do very well in a certain year the incremental investments i will do more globally because again i'm buying the underperformance of past there and whenever the cycle mean reverts you get uh, you know a better uh, risk adjusted return so coming to cash allocation have you increased it in your portfolio in the last two years i don't keep cash uh, at all i normally have a 65 to 75% uh, equity uh, or you know equity type uh, growth assets right. and i roughly have 25 to 35% in fixed income uh, which is my uh, you know shock absorber so it is not with a view of keeping cash but it is always with a view of getting good sleep in the night that every 3 4 years when markets uh, you know fluctuate by 10 to 20% mathematically in the last 40 years of indian market history or 100 years of global history there are those phases when every few years markets have sharp 15 20% drawdowns in those phases uh, the debt component uh, always gives you a sharp shock absorber and uh, you know allows you to sleep peacefully and um, uh, you know i also uh, had to uh, let's say you know purchase a home uh, you know i was always living in a rented house and real estate in mumbai is not cheap so right. i always had that cushion with me so you know fixed income uh, when when you did the first um, similar questionnaire two years back or one year back right. fixed income was almost 35 to 40% of my portfolio because there was a pending uh, large uh, home asset purchase now right. that is behind me so you know i bought a house last year in uh, april or may so now my fixed income exposure has come down to around 24% so my uh, net equity exposure sorry my fixed income exposure will be around 30% overall and uh, equ- equity will be around 70 so it's not come, come it's actually come down 
I've not increased uh, cash in the portfolio. I've actually reduced my total fixed income exposure. All right. Okay. So that's about your investments. Now moving on to your other money matters. Uh, have there been any kind of lifestyle changes during COVID lockdowns that have become permanent over the last two years? I think the only lifestyle uh, change I have done is, uh, you know, become more balanced uh, in terms of uh, time spent at work and off work, and uh, more aware about um, you know the benefits of uh, a, a prudent lifestyle, a prudent health lifestyle, in terms of having good balance of uh, uh, you know uh, meditation, exercise, sleep, um, uh, simple food. and um, at the same time work continues so i think that's the only small uh, tweak that i've done no other major lifestyle change at all any money related uh, change with respect to saving or spending investing anything thankfully, like thankfully thankfully you know after campus uh, when i passed out in 98 um, as uh, as an mba and engineer most uh, you know preferred jobs were uh, consumer companies fmcg companies a uh, big four consulting firms uh, and you know so on and so forth and uh, no one wanted to actually be in money markets or mutual funds it was not popular at all then uh, i uh, somehow was in the last group and i got hired in a i i got hired uh, by a company called lnt finance in their uh, money market division and right from day one i started uh, learning about markets and uh, i also started uh, learning about mutual fund investing so thankfully the concept of uh, sensible long term savings got imbibed on day 1 itself the, the you know the first monthly salary that i got uh, it came after you know 30 days of knowledge of uh, good investing principles so uh, right from uh, that day one the mindset was uh, you know uh, save uh, extensively uh, first save first invest and then spend so i have been very fortunate to you know continue with that type of mindset all through of, because of being in this beautiful industry which uh, uh, which actually uh, encourages uh, disciplined long term investing and uh, journey of wealth creation so my you know saving pattern has remained uh, very consistent there will be no single month in the last 23 years where i have not saved and um, i think um, that is what my job also is to make every indian think like that and you know uh, begin this journey of savings and investing so i think um, i continue to uh, you know retain the same pattern of discipline investing and no change whatsoever asset allocation uh, consistent monthly investing and um, uh, invest first before you spend money these are three principles that i have uh, learned because of the nature of my work and uh, i'm very grateful that uh, this industry has allowed me to become a good investor right from day one that's right and and what about emergency fund how much do you provision for how many for how many months So you know, because of this whole concept of asset allocation, Chitra always uh, you know, like I said, twenty to thirty percent has been in fixed income. So fixed income automatically becomes a emergency fund in a way because I can get that money back in twenty-four hours when I need it. Right. Uh, and even right. the whole concept of mutual funds, per se, even if my balance seventy percent is in equity, if I need it for sake of emergency, I can press a button and get it within three working days. So uh, you know, I I rarely keep uh, uh, anything beyond fifty thousand rupees in my savings account. because okay. uh, for me our liquid fund is my savings account uh, a better version of savings account and my short term fund which is where most of my debt investments are after a period of 3 years it becomes tax efficient so after 3 years for me it is my savings account right. um, just that i cannot withdraw it real time uh, i can't go to a mall and withdraw 
but uh, within 24 hours that money is accessible to me so that automatically becomes uh, my uh, emergency fund provision that brings us to the last question of our conversation uh, how is your spouse involved in your overall family finances okay so my spouse is a major reason for uh, me uh, you know uh, progressing in my career and uh, able to uh, build a reasonable uh, investment portfolio uh, she is uh, a lawyer who is also a metalist so very intelligent but when it comes to money uh, when it comes to money she uh, insists that uh, you know i should only take all the decisions uh, but i do you know once in three months uh, spend time with her telling her that you know this is how our investments are this is the book in which all investments are captured all details are there some for some reason in case if you know i'm not there you should be aware of these things however from a education point of view uh my son is you know more uh, excited to know about it um he understands the concepts of sips and investing uh relatively more though he's only 15 years old because perhaps i'm able to talk to him in his language of uh, cricket or movies and explain to him so so that is the nature of uh, my family's involvement in our overall finances Okay, but just one last question. Do you do you guys only make uh, joint investments, you and your uh, spouse, or do you also have personal investments? You know, from your respective uh, salaries. No, oh, so see, she is a homemaker, uh, okay. uh, and she doesn't have uh, incremental cash flow. So when she was working, uh, when we were married, and all her initial salary uh, is all invested, and uh, that money remains invested. You know, it's been invested for almost now twenty uh, years. Wow. Uh, but there are no new cash flows for her uh, all the new cash flows come from my salary and uh, that is uh, invested uh, in many cases uh, in a joint folio uh, in many cases it is only in my folio but with nomination uh, done for either her or my son so okay. that uh, you know a nomination is a very very important concept which many people uh, tend to ignore but that's the way we uh, plan for our investing right All right so that brings us to the end of our uh, episode today it was wonderful speaking with you kalpen thanks a lot for joining us today thanks to shipa and i think you know why i like uh, uh, i wait for this annual conversation is uh, uh, i've read this very beautiful line from kale right. where uh, he says in the world of investing don't ask your money managers uh, <laughs> their views on market instead ask them how are they investing hence ask them what is their portfolio looking like I think uh, Mint through this annual exercise is actually executing that thought because uh, it gives reasonable uh, clarity and logic behind why is a money manager doing what he or she is doing. So always uh, like to participate in this, and it's nice of you to do this uh, consistently. That's right. All right. Thanks, Kalpen. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.